Welcome to the Rainbow Skyline Podcast on The Athletic. Nice pass, Jokic! Nice and I told him, listen, if you see me around Denver, Colorado, anywhere, it's all about the Nuggets right now. Rainbow. Rainbow. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome into a fresh edition of the Rainbow Skyline Podcast, one of the many great shows on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Nick Kosmider, and today I'm joined by Kendra Andrews, my partner in crime on the Nuggets Beat at the Athletic. And we also have a very special guest, Chris Dempsey, analyst, writer, probably workout consultant at Altitude TV. <laughs> He's been covering the Nuggets in multiple capacities since it was it the Doug Ma or the, the George Carl days, Chris. It's, it's great to have you, man. Yeah, uh, the, man, if it was the Doug Mo days, I'd be really, really old. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, we, definitely George Carl, and um, it's good to be here. Yeah, Chris, we haven't, I mean, we, we've seen you on a couple Zoom things, but otherwise not since uh, not since this whole thing went crazy in, in March. How have you How have you been? How's the, the work-life balance going for you with, with the young one at home? Yeah, well, it, uh, it, it went from working all the time and <laughs> not being home a ton to being home all the time and not working a ton. And so that's, it's been a total flip of the work life balance, but um, it's been great, man. Um, you know, it's funny. I think in one respect, you don't know it's sometimes you don't realize how much you're gone until you're actually home all the time. Yeah. And, you know, and I, so I think I'm living that out, but um, also it's just been, just been great. I mean, I have a son who's going to be four in, in a few weeks and uh, to be able to hang out with him and do all kinds of silly stuff has been, um, I've been a lot of fun. So, uh, you know, I, I've tried to use it for that and really to relax. And uh, now it seems that basketball is back on the horizon. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. You know, we have, we have a lot to get to today. Um, you know, we confirmed a report from ESPN yesterday that Nuggets star Nikola Jokic uh, tested positive for COVID-19 while visiting his family in Serbia. He's awaiting clearance to be able to return to Denver. The Nuggets hope hopefully next week. We'll dive into that. Um, also, our own Sham Sharania reported today that P.J. Dozier, who has been with the Nuggets this season on a two-way contract, uh, has had his contract converted to a, a full contract that makes him a, a full-time member of the roster heading into Orlando. Great story uh, for a guy who has really um, you know, battled through a lot of different, different chances and, and made the most of them, so we'll discuss that as well. First, though, we just want to extend our gratitude to all of you who have contributed to support our work at The Athletic in these crazy times. If you're not already a subscriber, you can head to theathletic.com slash Rainbow Skyline and get a great low-cost deal on an annual subscription. Act fast. You never know when these deals will run out. Okay, so Chris, Kendra, obviously, you know, the NBA knew that, that they were going to be positive tests. They, they set out the, the schedule in such a fashion that uh, when they did their league-wide testing on Tuesday with results expected to come back either later that day or today, um, they knew there were going to be positive tests. And and so it was sort of baked into the schedule that um, you would have potentially two weeks to, to, to isolate, to quarantine, to recover it, if that was a necessary component of it, uh, before teams begin to travel to Orlando beginning July 7th, 8th, 9th in that, in that area. Um, you know, and, and sure enough, we find out right away that Nick, Denver's own star, Nikola Jokic. Chris, is that sort of just the way that you that you see this? I mean, obviously, it, it seems a little more, I guess, stunning when it's just players that we all know that we that we talk to on a normal basis. But th- this is part of what the NBA expects. Uh, yeah, yeah, and 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 yeah, and it's still stunning. You know, it's um, it, it's both at the same time. I, you know, I I, I was it, it scrolled across the bottom of my screen on my TV is, is how I found out and. Yeah. Um, so 
that is, you know, that it was like, wait, what? You know, and so you rewind it and just to make sure you saw what you thought you saw. Um, but you're right. I, I think what we're going to find at the end of the, at the end of all of this, the, if the NBA is able to get into its eight seeding games and then through the playoffs and, and crown a, ch- a champion is that, you know, there was a lot of really good thought put into this. And, you know, you're right, because what they understood was uh, when they got players back to their markets from wherever they came from, you know, who, you know, you, you, just, you just don't know the scenarios and uh, at which players um, had been exposed to, to COVID and you have to get them tested so that you know that they have it so that you can now get them treated. And, you know, I, I think this part is working and, you know, we're at the absolute beginning of it right now. Um, but it, it's absolutely working because, you know, what you don't want is, hey, we're in training camp now, and now everybody's down in Florida. Oh, oh no, we have a bunch of positive tests. What do we do right, right. now? And and so I, I think this is exactly, um, just as you said, what they expected, and there will be more coming. I think we saw Malcolm Brogdon was on this list uh, today as well. Right. Um, so, um, you know, uh, yeah, it, it, I think for – I think for us, the, the, the bigger the, the next question is going to be, you know, how is how are the athletes recovering? Are they recovering? Are they fine? Are some of them not going to be fine? Um, I think that's probably the next layer to this. But seems like Nikola Jokic is going to be um, OK. And when he is able to travel back to Denver, he will. And, uh, you know, then, then the Nuggets will proceed uh, as 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 they will. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. There, there's just certain things that we. We don't fully know about this about this virus in terms of its long term, you know, effects. So that the NBA is just dealing with whatever best information available at the time it has to try to conduct these things. Kendra, what was just your first reaction when you saw the news that uh, Nikola Jokic uh, was in Serbia and had in fact tested positive for COVID nineteen? Yeah, well, my I was I was in the backyard eating sushi and I uh, checked Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I was having a great lunch and Fancy. I checked Twitter. Yeah, I know <laughs> and. I mean, like Dempsey said, it was a, it was a whoa moment because I think, you know, as, as Chris said, we knew this was going to happen and we knew that there were going to be positive tests, but still, whenever there is a positive test, it's surprising or it's shocking. And I think especially when it comes to athletes, because we see athletes as these almost invincible type of guys, you know, they're, they're young, they're really in shape, they're, you know, celebrities, so whenever someone of that, you know, status or statue gets, you know, contracts COVID, it, it kind of takes you back a second. But um, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with everything Chris said. One thing, it wasn't, no one from the Nuggets said this, but uh, the the Colorado athletic director, um, Rick George said this on a conference call when, when he was talking about bringing Colorado back uh, for training. And he said, it's not about if but when it happens and what you have in place for when it happens. And I think the NBA has taken that exact same approach. We know that we're going to get positive tests. So what are we going to do and what are we going to lay it out when that happens? And I think that they put a lot more thought into that, into the when instead of the if, because they know that they're going to have to be able to, to take care of these guys and, and, and protect them as much as they can and make sure they have as many resources resources as they can. Um, and like Dempsey said, get it, get, do it now. So you're, you're, you're isolated. You can take care of it before you go into that centralized bubble, because if one person in the bubble has it, it no longer becomes a bubble. 
Yeah. The, the, the thing that I'll just jump in, the thing that kind of is, is interesting to me about all this is, is right. Everybody got tested yesterday and, and obviously there will be some positive results uh, as a matter of that. Some names will, will leak out, uh, obviously, as we've seen others, others probably will not. Um, but what happens if, okay, so you have these people and they test positive. Uh, here we are sitting here on Wednesday, June 24th. So two weeks to go until they leave. But, but let's say people get tested and are, and are, you know, positive, but then those who test negative kind of, again, go about their, their lives as, as many of us are. Now, of course, they have been asked, players have been asked in market to, you know, to, to more or less stay at home, to almost go back to those shelter in place rules that we had at the beginning of this thing where it says, unless you have to go out for an essential task, try to stay in your household, um, you know, to, to prevent yourself from being exposed as best as you possibly can. But again, it's, you know, it's not a perfect situation to where if, what if, what if you have a handful of players or a growing number of players who test positive for this thing on say July 1st and, and then isn't, there's not enough time for them to fully recover, uh, before the team as, as a whole travels to Orlando. Um, obviously I think there will be the opportunity for guys to come down separately, but I just think this all shows. And again, I, I think the NBA is, is, I can't think of things that necessarily they could have done differently. It seems like they've, they've tried to check all these boxes with the reality of knowing that this just isn't going to be a perfectly safe situation. But I, I think as some of these tests come out and they're attached to names that everybody knows so well, it just, I think, illustrates as well intentions as well intentioned as this is, how just difficult of a task, Chris, that, that it is. Uh, yes. And, you know, there's also pretty fascinating messages, I think, that are happening that are actually being said. And one of them is... Um, you know, there, there's a lot of risk involved here, but how much risk is there? Because what, if, if you're, if, if what you're basically saying is it's cool, there's going to be a bunch of positive tests and we know it, but these guys will all recover and it'll be fine. And so, you know, while these moments when we see the names come across screens, come across uh, phones, come across whatever, um, have this moment of, whoa, that, 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 that person has it, that player has it, then, then the underlying message is, oh, but it'll be fine. And, you know, and, and so I wonder, kind of going back to what you were talking about with the behaviors of the players and, the, and what they uh, can and cannot do and what they will or will not try to do. Um, I think it's going to be a very interesting piece of the pie because I think, you know, when you, I think what we're going to see is we're going to see the positive test and then we're going to see the players recover and then they're all going to be, uh, you know, playing on, on their respective teams. And if that's the case, then, you know, how seriously are, are, are many of the players going to take it? Once they get into the bubble, if they also feel like, well, it's fine, I'll, I'll be quarantined for, you know, what, a week and then I'll be I'll be good. I'm still going to do, you know, activity X or activity Y. And so um, I, I'm there's so many layers and branches to this that I'm very interested to see what happens. And, you know, uh, the, the the testing and the procedures and everything that the NBA has put in is one of them. I think they're absolutely going to work. I, I think this is. You know, you know, it's, uh, boy, it'd be, it, you know, a hundred and what, thirteen page memo yeah. on, on this kind of stuff. Like, they, like it's, boy, if they missed something, then that's that would be pretty big news. But, um, you know, I, there's just so many things from, you know, players like Avery Bradley saying, "I don't know if I'm comfortable," to others saying, 
well, I'm good. Let's just get this going to some people saying, I don't know if I want to be in a bubble. So like there are this, this will be the most, one of the most fascinating, this might be the most fascinating thing that many of us cover maybe ever, you know, yeah. just for the complexity of it all. I think the the thing of it is these two weeks, it's, it's interesting. You know, you had Dr. Anthony Fauci say today that these, uh, it was either today or yesterday that these next two weeks just in, in the United States as a whole are going to be critical um, to, to trying to, to contain these surges that have happened in parts of the country, uh, including, by the way, Florida, um, yeah. where, where it's really started to take off. I look at it sort of, you know, on a, on a more micro NBA level, sort of the same thing. If, if they can figure out, again, the players that have tested positive over the, over the last two days – to find a way to make sure that they are isolated, that they are able to recover, that the players who have tested negative while still going about the next two weeks um, are able to, to re- remain um, COVID-19 mm-hmm. negative. Then mm-hmm. if they can get that, that group to the bubble, I, I personally think this is the toughest stage of this whole plan, right? Because mm. if you can collectively get 22 healthy organizations of 35 people apiece fly into Florida get safely into this bubble where everybody is then negative for COVID-19 that in itself would be, I mean, right. let's just think, let's just think about what that, like what that entails. Like that, that tra- like to, to, if they get everybody down there ready to play, to sit in their rooms for 36 hours, return those negative tests. And then you're, you know, theoretically in this bubble with hopefully only very limited exposure to the Disney employees who come in. That in itself, I think, will need to to have been applauded because I don't know about you, Kendra, but that seems to me like that's going to be the most difficult part of this whole thing. Oh, totally. I mean, I think, and then it goes back to your point of before of saying, well, what if someone tests positive on July 1st or in that span between the testing that they're doing now and when they get down there? And that, and this is the window for that to happen. These tests are being conducted now. So now every everyone, other day right now, yep. Right. So everyone who's tested negative needs to remain negative until that point. And I really hope, and I would assume that the teams are kind of really driving that point home with them of you guys, we need this, we need this to work and for it to work, we need you to take this extremely seriously and really limit your exposure to the people who you aren't living with um, or, you know, grocery runs or those essential needs. We really need you guys to take this seriously if we want this to happen. Because like you said, as soon as they get down to Miami, or not Miami, excuse me, Orlando, and get everyone in there, then you can kind of start to relax a little bit. But I bet there are some people kind of holding their breath, just hoping. And and because this is, you know, the first league to really start transitioning back into play, I mean, kind of all eyes are on them right now. Everyone's taking notes of how is the NBA going to handle this? If the NBA can pull this off successfully, Let's, you know, let's take a page out of that 113 page playbook (laughs) and apply it to Mm -hmm. our own league. So there's a lot riding on, can this even work for other sports now? Yeah. And, and then, then when you get what, seven weeks in and then families can start Mm -hmm. coming in as well, you know, so that'll be an inflection point. Maybe, Um, you know, there are all of these, uh, you know, points during, um, you know, the, the, the startup and then through the actual play um, that we'll all have to really keep a good eye on and to see how it goes. And, you know, you know, the, the I think the worst case scenario just for them is, you know, player, a couple of players 
go down, you know, go down there and you're all the way, you're all, you're hot and heavy into the playoffs. And, and all of a sudden now you have a couple of, of cases and they start changing playoff series. Um, and, and maybe other teams don't feel necessarily comfortable playing against it. You know, this, this snowball effect. And so that's why I, I think you both are right. The most important time is getting, uh, is right now and getting those teams down there healthy so that you have the best chance for them to remain that way for as long as these teams are down there. Well, let, let's imagine a scenario in which, in which that happens, because obviously that's what we're, that's what we're all hoping for. That's, that's, there's, there's nobody out here that that's not what we, we want to see with, you know, whatever reservations or our doubts about how difficult this whole thing is going to be. It's everybody wants to see it happen. And so let's, let's get to the basketball portion of it. Now, obviously the nuggets making move today held on to an extra roster spot all season long. Um, and today, you know, it was announced that they gave it to PJ Dozier, the this University of South Carolina product who it had been had a couple stints in the NBA with with the Thunder, with the the, the Celtics as, as as a two way guy for for most of his career. Um, finally, gets that chance to be on a full standard contract. Um, Chris, this guy's a, just a great story in terms of you know sticking with it, um, you know, really never complaining and. and you know, again, he's brought he's brought some really bright moments to this team in the time that he has had with them. Yeah, he really has. And, you know, boy, you're talking about what, six, six point guard. So, um, you know, his size at the position is just exactly what you're looking for. And he's just a very skilled player. Um, you know, I, I, I think for him, I, I always thought this was inevitable. I think some of this. Um, uh, the, the way the season has has unfolded has sped sped this up, but maybe it's not because we're in June. Yeah, <laughs> maybe the Nuggets, you know, maybe the Nuggets would have just done this um, at this point in time anyway. But uh, for for him, I, I think it's 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 really I'm really happy for him because um, you know I've seen how hard he works. Uh, I, I you know you, you've seen the the flashes of success that he's had on the basketball court. And what he's able to do, um, you know, uh, with his, with the time that he's had on the court, and so, you know, the numbers, the the Nuggets over the few, last few years have had a number of these uh, success stories where guys um, who maybe came into the equation, um, you know, on a, on a little shaky ground, maybe career rise, come in and they they work hard. The player development staff clearly, and the coaching staff clearly has done a great job with them. Um, and they come out the other side with with contracts, and I'm talking Tory Craig, and now PJ Dozier, and Monte Morris, and you know these kinds of players whose whose work ethic combined with the efforts of the organization have come out uh, have resulted in in these contracts, and so good for him for sure. Yeah, it was funny. Is the, one of the, I'm sure you guys both get this a, a lot. One of the most frequent questions I get asked about the Nuggets in general is. When are they getting a G League team? And it's it's funny because that's sometimes I'm almost just like, well, why do you want one? I mean, the, the, <laughs> yeah. the Nuggets had a had a D League affiliate uh, for about three years, um, a little more than ten years ago, uh, called the Colorado 14ers. Nobody ever came to the games, so they 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 went belly up, yeah. uh, despite being a very good D League team. And and also, it's it, what what Chris mentions right here is that they have been able to use the system and and develop guys. A lot of that is is a credit to the relationships that Tim Conley and other members of his staff have created with, um, you know, just basketball people around the league to 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 get their players into good positions, right? Where they know they're going to get some playing time, despite the fact that each G League team is is kind of designed to develop its own players. 
but they're also trying to win. And, and so they, they know that the players that they're getting from the Nuggets ha- have a great track record in terms of going down there, uh, working hard and, and being talented. You know, Monte Morris, I, I spoke with him about this recently. His time in Rio Grande, uh, the first the first year of his pro career when he was a two-way player, played mostly in the G League that year with, with the Houston Rockets affiliate. Um, he said that was huge for him. Uh, it, it allowed him to play all the time. He was playing against other guys that were, you know, that were pros. And, and being close to the Rockets, he got to spend some more time uh, with Chris Paul and, and kind of uh, had a little bit of that to where he could pick his brain a little bit as a point guard, a guy that he has long respected. And so there's just there's just a, those ancillary ancillary benefits that I think the Nuggets have done a really good job taking advantage of. Kendra, you wrote a profile on on PJ Dozier earlier this year. You talked to Frank Martin, his, his college coach uh, at South Carolina. What what sticks out to you most just about his his journey um, to now being a, again a full time full contract member of the Denver Nuggets? Yeah, I mean, when I was talking to his dad and, and and his college coach and stuff like that, they both kind of just spoke on the development that PJ had from the time he was a freshman, you know, at South Carolina through he helped lead that team to uh, the school's first ever Final Four. Uh, I mean, like, who would have thought that South Carolina was going to go to the the Final Four? Um, but he he helped make that happen for them. So they they both you know talked about that work ethic, that just hunger and desire. To, to to improve and get better. And I think that that really fits in with, you know, that, that Nuggets organization because a lot of these guys are kind of that homegrown from the Nuggets organization, built their way up to where they are now. Um, and, and, and that's what kind of stuck out most to me about PJ is his desire to he's, tell me what to do, where to go, and I'll do it. Um, I might not necessarily completely agree with your critique, but I will, you're the coach. I will do what you think I need to do, what I need to do to help this team win. Um, and I think that that is, you know, what got him to this, this contract with the Nuggets and what allowed him to play so much for the Nuggets around, um, during the regular season. I think he played what, 21 games this season for them. (laughs) And, and, and it was that, tell me where, what you want me to do, where you want me to be and I'll do it. And I think that's what, you know, got the respect of Coach Malone and the other guys to allow this young kid to to work to yeah, where he is and, now. Yeah. And, and, I'll, and I'll say this, too. Um, you know, P.J. Dozier benefited from the fact that the Nuggets had a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was able to I mean, he barely stayed had to had any time in the G League. I mean, you know, it was. You know, the questions were kind of like, is he up? Is this, is this 45 days up? Or, and like, you know, it's, <laughs> there was a lot of that going on because he was with the Nuggets so much. And so he got the opportunity to be able to play with the team, to be able to practice with the team. All of these things helped him a great deal. I'm going to go back to, um, I think there's a, a couple of levels of this G League thing that I think are very interesting. Um, so Monte Morris. Yeah, Monte Morris, when he played for Rio Grande Valley, the one, one of the things that really did help him, even though he was a point guard, is that he had to play the two guard because Houston had a point guard that they were actually trying to groom and develop. And so that guy was playing the, the starting spot, which forced Monte to have to re, not reinvent himself, but to add skills to his bag. And now we've seen um, over the course of a couple of seasons where his jumper looks like and what he is um, in terms of a player that's that's much more um, uh, effective off the ball, uh, almost as he is on it. And so um, that thing, that helped him, but I think that wasn't necessarily ideal. But if you look at um, Devontae Graham for the, uh, the Charlotte Hornets of the season he was having, um, and you go and talk to the people in Charlotte and they say, well, yeah, listen, 
He spent all last year on our G League team and he learned our system and now he was ready to go. And the Nuggets system is so unique. Like just, just no team plays like quite like them. And maybe the Nuggets might not even play like this, obviously, the minute that Nikola Jokic retires. I was going to say, um, if, you, if, you have a G League, if you have a G League team, you can't make Nikola Jokic play for the G League team. No, no, you, you cannot. That's, that, that is absolutely the, the, the case. But I think what they would try to do is replicate bigs who can make decisions at mm-hmm. the top of the key with the basketball, can do those kinds of things as well. And now you get your system into that G League team, and now these players come up here um, already familiar uh, with what might be happening instead of needing to play in games with the Nuggets mm-hmm. to understand what's happening. P.J. Dozier was lucky because he was able to play in those games. Had he not been able to do that, well, let's just take Vlatko. Right. You know, Vlatko's yeah. not been able to do that. And for him, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, you know, it'll, it, it makes the road just a little bit longer until he can just play all the time and get time on the court um, with these guys. So it's, there's, it, it's, a, it's a very, very, very interesting question as to why you might need uh, a G League team, if you need one at all. Um, and I think we see cases uh, of players um, thriving and maybe some actually needing to be in the, in, in, in the actual system. Um, so you get you get all of these arguments on, on, on from all sides. I think it's re- a really interesting subject. Well, I do, I do think it's going to ha- it's going to be a matter of time for the Nuggets before they do. I also think it's kind of probably not <laughs> the highest on the priority list, um, yeah. given all that we're that we're dealing with in the world yeah. right now. Sure. Um, that's going to do it for us today here at the Rainbow Skyline Podcast. A big thanks to you, Chris, uh, for joining us today. We we really appreciate your time. Uh, shout out to our producer Cam Molina for making us sound good today. Remember, you can leave comments on each episode of our podcast in the Athletic app. So go in there and let us know what you think. Take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and until next time, thanks for stopping by.